I'm from Ship Talking Pod. I'm Brandon. And we have Hero Collector here as well. We have Ben Robinson and John Hello. Ainsworth. Hello. Gents, welcome. Me? Hello. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so for this, we're, we're going to be, we're actually recording this. This is going to come out of as a live podcast for Ship Talking Pod. We're going to also record a live episode of our Hero Collector collab. Um, and then tomorrow... Hero Collector is going to be on stage again talking about everything to do with Hero Collector. So if you've got questions, bank them for tomorrow. They're going to answer them all. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Like, we know how it's so busy, everything going on. You have lots of places you can be, and you chose to be with us, so it actually means a lot. I'll let the lads introduce themselves first. I'm going to go alphabetical order. How about that? Ben, uh, can you do a quick introduction? Um, oh, my God. Try to explain yourself. Not the most huh? complicated thing in the world. Um, <laughs> I basically run all of the Hero Collector stuff, so not just the Star Trek stuff, but all the rest of it. And I've worked on Star Trek for a very, very, very long time. Very long time. Um, used to work on the Fact Files. Fact Files. Who had Fact ago? Files? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you also got Sheds. Um, then we did DVD collections. Um, and obviously the ships have been running nearly 10 years now. I can't believe it. I, so I was in the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. You, I think you were there by yourself. There was this little... No, no, there were four or five of us. There were, no, there were four, okay, four or five of you selling the Enterprise D first model. And I was like, wait, I can subscribe and get Starships every single month? What? And, and then my, my, my wardrobe and my closets weren't too happy because I no longer had space for clothes and I know where to display the ships. But uh, it's an amazing journey that Hero Collector's been on. How many ships now? I will, do you know? I don't oh, know. Total. I mean, in, well, just in the parkworks alone, that's 180. Um, yeah. Plus 20. 30 discovery. 100. Somewhere got, between 250 and 300. Uh, amazing. Does anyone here have every single ship? No. Oh, well, we wise. got one. We, we might have one over here. We're, we're going to need to see photo evidence of that. Uh, ben, thanks for joining. Really appreciate it. We're going to get into more of what you do. John, give us an introduction. Hello. Yes, I'm John Ainsworth. I'm development manager uh, for Hero Collector. I work with Ben. And I worked for Hero Collector for about three years, or just under three years. Um, and it's been great, can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess I'll introduce myself. So I'm Brandon. I'm one of the hosts for Ship Talking Pod. And... Uh, big Star Trek fan, used to work on Star Trek Online as a community manager, so been around you all for a long time, been a fan since I was like nine years old. I, I love Star Trek. It's made me who I am today. Um, but okay, Hero Collector, we know you make ships, we know you put out amazing magazines, but you're more than that as well. Uh, let everyone know what Hero Collector is uh, and, and what you do. So uh, again, that's like trying to explain yourself. Um, Hero Collector is a genre collectibles company, I guess. Um, we have a background in doing subscriptions, but more recently we've been making things as one-offs. Um, we have pretty much all the cool licenses apart from Star Wars. Um, and we make figurines, ships, we publish books, we do great big build-up models. You can see the, the big Enterprise D actually yes. complete. Uh, and I know the register is the wrong color um, on our booth. Um, we've been doing stuff like pin badges, advent calendars. Um, you know, I think the way we look at it is we're all fans ourselves um, and we just want to make cool stuff that will make people happy. Um, makes me happy. We are not very cynical, I would say. 
you, uh, it's, it's been great to work with you all. And I know you've got a great team here. Most of them are at the booth, but I think I see one other hero collectorian or collector. So our very, very sociable Melissa, who looks hey, Melissa. after our social stuff is back there at the back. Um, and, and I guess for Ship Talking Pod, do we have any listeners in the audience? Got a, woo, got a couple. All right. Um, so Ship Talking Pod, we're all about ships. Um, I've always been a fan of vehicle design and my best friend, Robbie, who is here right here in the audience, him and I started during the pandemic. We're like, we need to do something. And and we're like, let's do a podcast. And we started about ships. We've had Rick Sternbuck on, Probert, all, all the big names, Doug Drexler. We've had actors on, Robert Duncan McNeil. Anyone who's played a part in ships or ship development, we have model makers, VFX artists. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, a shout out to my crew who's here as well. So Robbie's here. We've got James, our community manager here, squatted down in the front taking photos. And we have George in the back, who's our senior audio engineer. He makes all the magic happen. So this is actually going to get released as an episode uh, out on all of the uh, the uh, podcast platform. So keep an eye out. Um, now, our show that we do together is called Ships of the Trek Universe. It's our collab podcast with Hero Collector. And when we say Ships of the Trek Universe, it's a specific collection. So Ben, what does that mean? Because I, I know you do you put out different collections, but specifically for this collection, what does that entail? I, specifically, it's anything post-Discovery Season 2 with some possible exceptions. So right. Lower Decks, we felt, was a bit too different. Okay. Um, oh, right. Yeah. You know, so it's live action shows uh, after Discovery season two. I mean, the I think one of the the things we all struggle with as Star Trek historians, experts, whatever, is what to call the eras now because um, it is all Star Trek, but at the same time, there's a definite difference. Um, and CBS have sort of started using the term Star Trek universe I to have refer seen the logo. to the yep. modern shows. The modern shows, right? So what we wanted was a name that you know made sense. Yep. to cover everything new. So we've got Picard, we've mm-hmm. got Discovery, mm-hmm. upcoming shows like Strange New Worlds. Yep. Uh, Prodigy? Would Prodigy fall in? I am Don't not know. in a position to talk about oh, Prodigy. Sorry, I, I, that was off the cuff. I didn't I didn't even ask that beforehand. I was just curious. All right. Um, now we know Hero Collector makes amazing models. If you haven't seen it, we'll talk about the booth in a little bit. Head over there, check it out. But John, as development manager, can you walk us through the process um, of how these models come to be? Because you get assets sometimes, right? From, from the RT and sometimes you don't? Yes, there's two starting points. There's basically mainly for ships from late Voyager onwards. We probably have access to the original production 3D files. I know that sometimes like we talked about that you get these ships in batches sometimes before the show comes out, right? So for like season three of Discovery, all the 32nd century ships, you actually got them before you actually saw them on screen. So you probably didn't even know what the heck was going on with some of these designs. That is 100% right. We're (laughs) opening up and going, oh, okay. (laughs) And this is called Voyager J. That's interesting. Oh, Uh, So yeah, we tend to... these days, we we tend to get a kind of a big dump of the VFX files, um, normally at the beginning of the season. Yep. But they're still tweaking them. I mean, you right. know, one of the things we would love to do is put a model out as soon as you see it on screen. Um, but the truth is, like John says, it takes us a year. And, you know, I'm asking about Discovery Season 4, and they're like, well, we're still tweaking the models. He um, just wants to see the ships. Yeah. Ship well, port. yeah, there is that. But, I mean, to give you an example, when we did Discovery the first time around, 
um, our model had slightly different colors to what ended up on screen. And that's not because we got it wrong. It's because two weeks before it aired, it had violet um, glowed. And and we also see sometimes they tweak from season to season, like uh, the Cerritos, right? Uh, yeah, we'll got, discover it. I mean, even, even well, between yeah, seasons one and two, yeah. um, the discovery is different. I mean, sometimes it's just like the position of the windows or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, the Cerritos, I mean, there's a good story there that um, they made friends with Mike Okuda. Um, between them working on the first season and the second season. And Mike came in and did a, uh, did a master systems display for them. Um, and while he was doing it, he's like, yeah, you know, you don't have any RTS thrusters on this ship. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> we know, we noticed. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. So they do now, they do now have RTS thrusters on the Cerritos. Um, Mike McMahon was telling me that they were like, okay, that's convenient that the Cerritos got pretty bashed up at the end of season one. Yeah. Uh, so they were able to uh, refit it a little bit. Yeah. They went all soft. Sovereignty, right? Yeah. Is that what that is? It? Yeah. Oh, I, I love that line. Fancy. Well, well, speaking of Lower Decks, um, season two, we saw a bird of prey, and that bird of prey only came to be in the season because of Hero Collector, right? Uh, well, yeah, slightly more because of me than, rather yeah. than the Hero Collector. I have to take personal. Um, <laughs> so years ago, I did a, a Haynes manual on the bird of prey, uh, and Ed Giddings, who's one of the guys who works with us now building new models, mm. uh, built up uh, a more detailed version of the bird of prey than the one that the VFX team had on Star Trek. Uh, and he actually did the bridge as well. And right. uh, oh, we yeah. were like, oh, do you want the bridge? And I'm like, yeah, give us the bridge. <laughs> um, so yeah, I gave them the engineering room as well. I was really disappointed they didn't make it into the final episode. Well, I mean, there's always the next season, right? Yeah, I know. This is true. I know. Um, and John, I, I remember one time you were explaining, and I, and I forget, and that's what I'm asking again, is that sometimes the models you work on then go back to the art department? Okay. Um, we don't tend... Oh, well, I mean, we... Sh- oh, it's going back to Ben. Hot potato. Sorry. You asked the wrong person the question. Um, so uh, what happens now is that the video, the VFX files that they use in the VFX houses are incredibly complicated. And yeah. they have this, this massively sophisticated software that decides what resolution to render it at, depending what's happening in the shot and all of that. Yeah. Um, and what that means is you can't just open it in a desktop computer. So the art department um, can't use the visual effects files mm. because they're too sophisticated. But we have to do work on them to make them workable for us. All right. So we then give them to the art department to use for their storyboards and things like that. So there's a happy kind of uh, a, a virtuous circle of they give us stuff and then we give it back in a usable format. And when you get those ships originally, like for instance, we know that Discovery Saucer you know, rotated. We know that Bookship did this crazy stuff. Is that in the models as well? Like, can you see the, all right, so you get the model and and you open it up and you're like, were you like, why is the saucer able to grab and rotate? Or like, what's that about? Uh, Yeah, exactly that. Or why aren't these nacelles attached? Uh, (laughs) Okay, Uh, you brought up uh, the elephant in the room uh, about about the detached. There's a lot of, uh, what I love is there's a lot of um, fan opinion on them. We don't know what they actually are for yet, right? I mean, we've heard heard that kind of a a short line from Saru in Discovery around why the nacelles are detached. This is getting into theory um, on on them. But um, that's probably something, as soon as you saw, you're like, Right. All of our models just sit on a single stand. How are we going to do this? Yeah, how, we, how did you come up with the solution for that? We, we did have a bit of a, oh my goodness. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, no, I mean, but there's always a way around these things. So yeah, we, um, we thought about different, I think we even suggested to the manufacturers sort of different possible ways of doing it. 
And and after that sort of a bit of back and forth discussion, we realized that, you know, the clear sort of plastic clips to hold the nacelles in parallel to the ship. Yeah. But it's different. Uh, I mean, it's not really a secret that we'll be doing more of the season three uh Starfleet ships but each one obviously is very different in design so there's a different solution to each one yeah in in terms of how you hold the separate parts you know I'm I'm I suppose the only thing I've kept reminding the manufacturers you know it the plastic clear bit should be as minimal as possible right okay and there's been some I've actually sent back said no that's covering up too much of it Mm. find a way of doing less covering less of the ship so do you leave it to them to decide like how best to get it displayed and then they send you mock-ups are these are these physical mock-ups are these renders of what it would look like they they send us back a a 3d render of what they will use and that includes the stand okay and and, and say so I can see how the, the stand will fit the ship. For the most part, I let them suggest the initial yeah. solution. Okay. But sometimes I say, no, that we can, I think we can do that better, mm. you know, or, 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 you know, but, but mostly they're very, they're quite ingenious really sometimes. And, uh, you know, I wish I am grateful for. So yeah. it's a, I mean, it's an interesting problem to have. And as a development manager uh, myself on things, it, 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 I love coming up with solutions like that. And they look great. There's some on display right now in the booth, including for the first time ever seeing the Voyager J and what that looks like. Uh, the, the Discovery A looks amazing. And I, what I love is I actually didn't realize the nacelles were not parallel. Like they kind of stick outwards. I love the little design onto that and that that comes true in the model itself. Uh, Ben, you have something to say on this, I think. Well, yeah, when um, those ships were designed by Ryan Denning or uh, North Front Studios, who his company is, and they originally had the idea that the ships would all be um, compact. Mm. So, and then you'd see the nacelles or, and not just the nacelles, but the saucer section and the engineering hull separate. Uh-huh. So if you look at them, particularly the Voyager, uh, Ryan designed it so it would all slide together. So it, does look it, like it doesn't it actually ever, we've never seen it do it on screen. Yet. But the concept was that it would, it would have a kind of compact mode when it was all pulled in tight. I, I want to get him on the podcast again and ask him about Voyager when we get to it and the um, the built-in um, bottle opener <laughs> on the back side of it. I was like, I want one of those for my fridge as a magnet that I can also use a bottle opener. Um, but um, one of the things, uh, is anyone here a John Eves fan? So designed the Sovereign, I see a few hands, designed the Enterprise E, designed a lot, of, a lot of ships, especially a lot of the new ones. But I know you get to work very closely with him for the magazines and understanding what goes into the design process. And you don't, when you get these ships, they're not just the ships itself. It's a full multi, it's 12 page or 16 page magazine that not only includes insights of the ship, it talks about designs, it shows concept work for every ship or sometimes a behind the scenes story. Um, is that a year in the works as well? Is that like, what? what is that like? Ben's going to take this one. Uh, yeah, well, that's my, where John looks after the model part. I, I tend to look after the ship parts. John's a, John Eves uh, is an old buddy of mine. Um, we're pretty, pretty good friends. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to know pretty much everybody who's ever designed a Star Trek ship. I think I have talked to, yeah, I think I've talked to everyone who's ever designed one. Um, so yeah, I mean, that to me, I've always been interested, not just by what things are, but, why they are and how they came to be so uh, that's a relatively short process um the the hardest thing is getting a slot in john's uh timetable john's one of the busiest men in the world and uh just a little bit before covid they all started working remotely so he's been 
working on Zoom uh, with different clients on different coasts. So he gets up really, really early and he'll work with somebody on the East Coast in the morning and then he'll work with somebody on the West Coast in the afternoon. So he gets in, he probably does like a 12 to 16 hour day most days. That's amazing. And, and when you're choosing the images that make it into the magazine, I mean, sure, there's pages of concept art, there's tons of drawings, there's illustrations, there's renders. Sometimes. How do you, how do you, some, oh, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes well, well, there's that, one. How, how do you fill in the gaps, though? If you know you've got to put out this big of a magazine, how do you fill, out, fill in the gaps? With- um, there's always more of a story. Sometimes, I mean, what any concept artist will tell you is they produce a sketch and they hand it over and... Nine times out of ten, the producers come back and say, oh, yeah, I quite like it. Can you change it? Can you do this? Can you do that? So most ships, there's some kind of rejected concept oh. or something like that, or even even like subtle evolutions. So like on the Voyager J, the first one is just kind of purely white. And then they were like, oh, it doesn't look enough like Voyager. Can we, you know, make it more like the Voyager blue kind of color? Yeah. Um, and then it was like, oh, now, now we want to see pennants on it. Um, all that kind of thing. And then in the meantime, Ryan was kind of fiddling around with it and like looking at, oh, I think maybe the windows could be a little different or, you know, so he gets a yeah. chance to revi- refine it as he's doing that. But there are other things. When we're doing one right now, uh, there was one sketch it got approved. Right. So that's, that's what you have to, well, yeah, you get creative. Well, one of the things I love about the models is that, you know, we don't always get to see the ship's in their full glory up on screen, right? We, maybe it's just a pass by or, or just a quick shot of it. But with the models, you actually get to see the detail. I didn't realize, like looking at the model in the window over there of the Discovery A, the, um, it, it's, not even, it's not Aztec paneling. It's this new type of paneling that goes around the saucer that's not present in the, the original before the refit. Absolutely incredible it to see is. that kind of detail on the models. That I mean, we didn't see it. We can't see it in the show really because we don't get enough beauty passes. More beauty passes are, are needed. But but what's great is when you put out those models, we get to see them in their full glory. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely don't see all the detail on the show that is in there. Um, you know, I mean, John probably could talk a little bit more about the Disco yeah. A on that. Um, but I'll, I'll just give you one story. So when way back when, in the early days of the ship's collection, we did a freighter from uh, the ECS Fortunate from Enterprise. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, I hadn't even realized that we got there, but there are like little labels on each of the cargo pods mm. that, and nobody had ever really seen them before. And they were like, oh my God, this is, you know, and you're talking about like, you know, three-point type or something like that, mm. that we were able to replicate exactly. And you'd never see it on the show. Yeah. You know, unless he's watched it on like an IMAX screen or something. <laughs> what I also love is that we get to see ships that never made it to screen. Like Andrew Probert's original concept for Voyager. Like that's got the underswung nacelles and, and it looks completely different. So John, when, when you're working on some of these ships that haven't been seen on screen, is the process different for concepts? I, I'm not sure it's any really different. I mean, you, you just go off the, the reference material that you have, which could be quite... I mean, for something like, um, uh, well, the Voyager one, yeah. there, there probably are quite a lot of sketches that, you know, can be used as reference. I also thought, actually, just based on what you're saying, we, we've done at least one model that was a ship that we only ever saw on screen as a crashed ship, which ah. um, was the medical ship from Discovery, which I think we have subsequently seen intact, but after our, our model. Oh, it, w- it was reused in Picard, was it? No, not, not that ship. 
it's reused in Discovery, so it miraculously survives to the uh, 31st century. Oh, gets, sorry, yes. It yes, crashes yes, yes. during the burn. Right. Oh, uh, yes, okay. It's up on the screen during it, right? It, when, it, you, when you saw it, um, it's the ship that's crashed when they go and they uh, meet Tignotero's character for the first time. Okay. And that ship was fully designed, uh, and then, but then you never saw it in its undamaged state in the show yep. until the third season when they're like, oh, well, we've got this ship. And when they wanted to show all the ships being destroyed in the burn, they used that one. Oh, John's got... It was in orbit around that planet where they were imprisoned. You know, there was a load of ships in orbit. Ah, uh, yes, yes, It was yeah. one of the, the main ships in there, I think, which I think it also ends up crashing as well. Mm. But, yeah. Well, um, as you can tell, we love ships. Uh, that's why that's why we do the podcast. Um, and it's really exciting not only to talk to you about hero collector uh, models that are coming out, but also talk about um, these designs. Like, I, I think Robbie and my first episode was with Rick Sternbach. And one of the cool things we learned, I did, had no idea. Everyone know the Prometheus, right? The one that can split into three pieces. It actually can split into five, but there wasn't enough production budget to actually have five full pieces. And it's been really fun talking to these artists who designed them or made them um, to give us these little peeks at what they could do that we could, didn't just see on screen. Um, Rob Bonchun, who, of course, amazing VFXer in Voyager and beyond, um, has a lot of these models and he puts out artwork nowadays. So it's, it's just so cool to see how much, you know, outside of, of Trek itself, we get to see these ships. And I love the artists out there that take the Hero Collector ships and just actually make art with them. They actually, you know, they, they might use a green screen, but they create these amazing scenes. The lighting on them is amazing. Um, it, it's been really cool to see like the fan spotlights that are done on them. The, the greatest disappointment to me is that uh, there's a, in in the way of the warrior, when they uh, the Klingons come to attack Deep Space Nine, they used a load of uh, Hallmark Christmas tree ornaments uh, for oh, background right. ships, and I I we were too late because no. I you know I am very good friends with a lot of the VFX guys. They're like, yeah, we would have shot with this, absolutely would have shot with it. Yeah. Um, well, thanks both for that. Um, we're going to move now into our actual live podcast recording. So this is the first time actually we've been in person together. Well, I haven't seen you since 2015 in person. Uh, first time seeing John. We're normally on Zoom every couple of weeks doing recording a podcast. We're going to do it live in front of you. Uh, and there'll be a little bit of already audience participation. I'm just going to have you cheer. So get ready to cheer when I say give a shout. Do we have a second mic or do we have a fixed mic for John by chance um, that he can use? Yeah, if we, just for now, just for the uh, if we can, just for this part. Is that feeding in, George, to your audio as well? Good to go. All right. Um, cool. So in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you all to give a big cheer. We'll, we'll point the mic and we'll see if we can hear. What? What? Oh, we're, gonna, we're making sure the mic's working. Ah, there we go. He is unmuted. We're so used to the Zoom mute button now, right? Is it working? Hello. Hello. Yeah, there he is. All right. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Ships of the Trek Universe being recorded live from the Voyager stage here at Destination Star Trek London today, which is Friday, the 12th of November, 2021. And we've got a whole audience in front of us. Can we get you guys to say hello to everyone? Give us a big cheer. (laughs) 
Absolutely amazing to be doing this in front of you. Like this is a dream as a podcaster to have like a live show up on stage. But um, so I'm Brandon. I am your host for this collaboration podcast with Hero Collector, also the executive producer of Ship Talking Pod and one of our hosts. And I'm beyond thrilled to have uh, my two besties from Hero Collector here who are also up on stage with me, Ben Robinson and John Ainsworth. Gents, how cool is this? Like we're on stage together doing a live show. I know, real people. Yeah. Hello. I, 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 I'm, I'm so, I, I'm overwhelmed actually. And this is the first time we've been doing the pod for a year. The, we have three shows. We have the Hero Collector show, our main show, and a show called Shuttle Scuttle. We have four out of the five team members here. And other than Robbie and I, who grew up together uh, and have been best friends for almost 20 years, we have other members of the team. And this is the first time we're meeting in person as well. So this really means a lot to us uh, to get everyone together. We're all big, one big ship talking family. Uh, but of course, it's great to have you both with it. As a quick reminder for listeners, so Ben leads up the ship's collection and is also the co-author and co-editor of the company magazines and John is development manager. And today's episode is actually going to take us back to Star Trek Picard. And we're going to chat about the Romulan Warbird, so specifically 2399 when Picard takes place, and it made its debut on screen in season one. Um, can I ask you each to share your contributions to the ship, what you remember working on it specifically from a magazine perspective and, and understanding, you know, the, the design and the lore, and then John uh, after Ben to talk about the actual development process for this specific ship? Uh, yeah, so my main responsibility with these ships, apart from agreeing with John about what order we should do them in, uh, is to talk to John Eves, in this case, who designed the ship, and to find out why it is the way it is and how it could have been different. All right. And we're, we're going to jump into the design in just a bit. John, do you remember what specifically you worked on for this? Other, is there anything that deviated from the normal process for the ship? No, I think it was fairly uh, easy. I mean, because obviously we had the actual um, 3D files from production for this one, so that was good. I think we had a little bit of back and forth on getting the, the paints right. The, uh, there's the sort of red colouring on the wings of the bird. Mm. And, you know, you want to get that right so it's not too red and it's not too not red. Yeah. You know? so, and it's one of those rare Star Trek ships that is wider than it is long. Yeah. And very thin. It's very thin. Yes. I, I wish we could put a photo up to show you. Uh, you can see it over at the booth. Um, this is issue number 10 for the ships of the uh, Trek Universe collection. Um, so what's cool about this one, we, we knew that after the destruction of Romulus, right, the Tal Shiar were still operating warbirds. They had all different kinds of warbirds that evolved from just the Valdor and the Dideridex uh, into these really cool, this one looks kind of like a condor. Uh, yeah. if I, would you say condor? I, that was John Eve's intention. All I right, mean, yeah. the, the sort of brief for all the Picard stuff was that it had to look like a step on from the last things that we'd seen. Yeah. So Eves had uh, designed the last sort of wave of Romulan ships we'd seen. Okay. So the Valdor. Mm -hmm. um, and initially they said to him, can we have something that is quite, you know, let's start from the Valdor and do something along those lines. So his first design, I think, was for a, a kind of double-hulled version oh. of the Valdor. So um, it had like space between the neck and it had two heads. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but he never really felt that that was, it didn't look sufficiently Romulan to him. And okay. I think he also felt uh, that it was just a bit too much like the Valdor. Mm. Um, and John, John's one of those people who's always looking for somewhere to find inspiration. And he's, he really lobbied to be able to do a design that was based on a bird. Yeah. Um, and he actually designed a couple of other, you know, he used a couple of other birds, including one he doesn't know what kind of bird it was, <laughs> um, for what became known as the Romulan bomber internally, which actually is like a kind of fighter escort ship. Yes. Which we already talked about yes. in an earlier episode. And this one actually... Um, 
the, the design for this one kind of evolved. So if you remember at the season one finale, we learned that Admiral O was part of, you know, the Romulans. It was double agent in Starfleet and her flagship, which we talked about a couple episodes back. For This was actually one of the original concepts for okay. maybe what the flagship could be. We have to wind back a bit. <laughs> wind right. George, insert, rewind, animation, sounds. <laughs> so when they were first conceiving Picard. Yep. Uh, it was the Romulans rather than the synths who attacked Utopia Panisha. Do you, do, do you know this? Do you know, do our audience, so uh, like what Ben said, remember the synths, right, in the first episode of Picard? It was actually the Romulans originally. So the idea was that a Romulan fleet would come to Mars, yep. it would bombard the surface of Mars, so that's why some of them are called bombers in the concept art. Um, and then there would be all these other Federation ships and people evacuating from Mars at the time, and there were a load of designs done for that, um, none of which actually ended up on screen. Uh, and there would have been at least two different kinds of uh, Romulan ships attacking Mars. Right. Uh, and there was a flagship at that point, mm-hmm. um, but the art department didn't think it was going to be a physically different ship. They thought it was just going to be decoratively different. Um, so this bird, this this warbird has a bird of prey design on the underside and has some kind of feather kind of patterns on the top. That's right, isn't it, John? That's the red patterning I was yep. referring yeah. to. Yeah, that's right. Um, and they were going to do a version for the Admiral that had gold patterning. Mm-hmm. So it would have been the same ship physically, right. but it would have been you know differentiated by its paint scheme. Paints. And now... In the magazine, and in many of the magazines where it talks about Picard, the name Chod, Todd Janowski comes up quite a bit. Yeah. Can you talk about the relationship between Todd and John Eves, who is designing the ships, and how that comes to be, what that process looks like? So Todd was uh, the production designer on Picard uh, in season one. Uh, it's now someone called Dave Blass, who's also yes. an extremely nice man. They're both yep. very, very nice men, actually. Uh, and Todd would be given a kind of broad outline of what was going to happen. He wouldn't necessarily get a script. So, you know, they don't want to wait for the art department to have that script before they start work. Mm-hmm. So he, he would go in and... You know, they would describe the story to him. The producers would say, you know, the Romulans are attacking Mars and there's all these different ships and there's that. And he would come back and he would say to John, okay, um, Romulans are going to attack Mars and design me some ships for it. And they might have like an initial conversation about, okay, where do we want to start? What about something like this? Um, They might pull out some reference. Um, You know, John has a lot of books, so he's very interested in uh, aviation. He has particularly drawn a lot of inspiration from World War II planes and uh, X-planes as well. Uh, And then Todd would kind of give John his marching orders and then John would get on with it. Uh, And in the meantime, Todd would be off sorting out a thousand other things Mm because he's also responsible for all the sets and all the props and all of that. Um, And he was incredibly busy. I mean, I I visited them on the set of Picard, which was a really nice thing to be able to do. Oh, very nice. Uh, But Todd was just like, he just about had time to say hello, shake my hand, and then had to run off to another meeting. Uh, So John could be, sometimes you might see Todd the next day, sometimes it might be a yep. week uh so he would he would be designing away until he got a chance to show what he had to todd and then as the production designer todd would give him some feedback and they would kind of narrow it down to a point where he had something he was happy to go and show the producers i mean uh, i love the journey that they take and and then the journey doesn't stop there right because then well even before the show comes out john was this one of the models that um was sent to hero collector before picard actually premiered i think so 
I think it probably was, yeah. yes, because we did get them all sort of in one big batch. Okay. Um, Do you remember opening this one and, and um, anything anything surprising with it? Any any? Think, uh, wasn't this the one features? we got first? No, that was the um, the bomber, the bomber, bomber. bomber, which isn't which similar. isn't a bomber. No, which isn't no. a bomber. <laughs> well, I know that Todd asked for this one to be a heavy bomber, right? Because again, the Romulans were going to be bombing Utopia. Bombarding. Bomba- sorry, bombarding. It's a heavy bombardier. The heavy bombardier, right? That's right. Um, so, uh, and any behind the scenes stuff that you can remember for this one um, specific? Not, Other than the colors, not I guess? that was particularly difficult. I mean, I remember thinking, yeah, that looks like a Romulan ship. It's yeah. based on the bird. And it, 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 it looks great. Um, yeah, it wasn't particularly... It didn't immediately think, oh gosh, this is going to be a difficult one to do. Okay. Um, well, that's which, good. Which isn't, which isn't a very exciting story. No, no, but, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful ship. Do we have any Romulan fans in the audience? All right, I see a few hands. Absolutely beautiful ships. And I, what I love is there's a design lineage that continues through. And I love the colors. Um, it's just, it's unmistakable. Romulan when you see it. You'll see that uh, Romulan bird. There are variations of the Romulan bird logo on each of the ship. So one of the things they did was make sure that they designed all of them have a, a, a painted bird on the underside. Okay. But each of them has a different one that reflects the nature of that particular ship. What do you mean between the bomber and the, yeah, and, yeah, so the bomber and the flagship, and in fact on the admiral's, well, the admiral's flagship and the the warbird, because they were obviously keen for that last big battle at the end of Picard yes. to make the ships look as different as possible, which is why there were variations of um, Riker's ship. And, uh, yeah, it differ very. There was three yeah. variations of the Inquiry class, right? The, the Zhang four. That's four. Right. Oh, sorry, four. Yes, four. yes, yes, four. four. Yeah. Well, seriously, this has been absolutely amazing. It's a dream come true for me so thank you both for joining and thank you all in the audience again for coming out and listening to us record this live podcast uh we hope you enjoyed it so for those of you listening in the audience this is going to come out on your favorite pod platform uh, probably in just a few weeks time and uh for those who are listening right now on your favorite pod platform uh, we hope you enjoyed the show and try and come out to see us live again we should do this again absolutely yeah. Let's, yeah. Do, let's do more live shows do make sure to pick up the romulan warbird model so you can check it out as well as the magazine that comes with it you can see all the original concept art and how it came to be you can hear some of these stories stories and see the behind the scenes stuff. And before we plug our socials and say goodbye, as a teaser for the next episode, we're going back to Star Trek Discovery. And I'm so excited to announce that the next episode of this podcast, we're going to be talking about the hero ship from Star Trek Discovery herself. Well, her season three. Uh, well, oh, actually, oh. Uh, actually, no, you're right. Well, we are going. We're book ship. It is a hero ship. It is it a hero, is ship. A hero book, ship. For sure. It's book ship. And then we're going to be talking about Discovery. There was a little bit of a, we're going to go, we're going to go in forward in time and then we're going to go back to the future, right? We're, just, we're going back. Yeah. We're, going to episode, we're going to episode 12 and then to 11. We're going to do something. Anyway, stay tuned. We're going to talk about all the ships, of course. Um, I guess before we go, John, can you remind everyone uh, how they can uh, purchase the models or subscribe to the collection? You know I always blank at <laughs> I can never remember our own web address. HeroCollector.com yes. forward slash yes. something. Yes. <laughs> Star Trek Universe. Star Trek Universe. You got it. <laughs> and Ben, uh, we've got Melissa here in the audience. You want to plug yeah. all the social media channels she uses so well uh, Twitter Instagram Facebook yep. we're on all of those Melissa's a very busy person uh, she is really a busy person uh, I uh, I have a lot of admiration for the work she does and James my community manager as well it is a hard job that is for sure yeah well, be nice to Melissa yes be fair, be nice be nice um, uh, well of course for Ship Talking Pod we are at shiptalkingpod.com you can get the links to all of our shows there and details we're also on Twitter at 
Ship Talking Pod. And I suggest if you haven't followed us already, do because for this for this series, every time we put out a ship, we put it at a giveaway. So there's a chance to win the model and the magazine. We can ship it uh, over to you. All you have to do is uh, like the post and retweet it. Uh, so keep an eye out because every ship we're going to do for this Universe Collection gets one of those. And Ship Talking Pod is also on Patreon. Uh, Patreon, in return for your support as a patron, which makes everything we do possible, we provide special benefits, including expanded episodes of our main pod. You get to chat in Discord with some of our guests, like we have Mark Raidmaker in there, who'd made the Vesta. We've got uh, Thomas Maroney, who works on Star Trek Online and does all the ships there. Actually, we have all the ship guys from STO. We need to get the two of you in there, uh, but it's a great way to connect with them. Uh, you, there's also special patron-only giveaways and much more. That's at patreon.com slash pod. Ben and John, thank you so much for joining me up here on stage. Thanks for uh, inviting me up to, to join you. Absolute pleasure as always. And uh, onward we go to our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. See you then. You've got Daj, you got Soji, you got Lal. What do all of these androids call their father? Dada. <laughs>